Cool. Thank you so much for sharing that um, with us, Carrie. I, I've, I've been so encouraged um, throughout this series, just hearing stories like Carrie and many of you that are uh, more intentional. I think it's so neat to see how um, we've been talking all these uh, ways to bless people. And all along, God's been with us. God's doing things in people's lives, in our lives. And sometimes all we needed to do is kind of open our own eyes to see, right? Like Carrie did not expect hanging out with her friends. There's a conversation going on. God opened the opportunity and it's up to us. Do we want to enter into that, right? You can continue to eat and just like, ha, 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 and not say anything. Or we can step in and just share with them uh, what we're doing and, and what God has done in our lives. And, you know, don't, there are so many opportunities uh, more than we ever can imagine and think of. And so that's the neat thing uh, that I'm really thankful this series have taught me and hopefully taught you uh, that, hey, well, all we need to do is just step in these opportunities. And God, in fact, wants to use us, each one of us, uh, to, to bless the world around us and bless those who are far away from God. And so thank you again, Carrie, for sharing with, with us. Um, today, we're going to wrap up our series. Uh, just like that is uh, five weeks, uh, six weeks. Uh, we've been talking about bless. Uh, the video kind of do a summary for us, a great job summarizing what um, bless the acronym is about. So today we're going to end on the last S, which is share your story. And uh, this is a really, really important part. In fact, I would say that all the other letters lead up to this point that when we're given the opportunity, we must seize it and share our story of Christ and what Christ has done in our lives to those who are far away from God. There is a very famous quote, uh, wrongly quoted, but uh, used quite a bit. Whenever in the churches and Christian Christianity talk about evangelism, there was this um, man, uh, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, and he's like a, like a um, Catholic priest a long time ago and uh, a monk. And uh, he had the, well, people attribute this quote to him. It says this, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Uh, actually, he, I, uh, no, no one have any record of him actually saying that. Uh, but most people attribute this quote to him. And a lot of people like this quote because it seems to communicate to us, hey, we should preach the gospel. And when you even you need it, use words as if our actions itself is enough to preach the gospel. So whoever says this, I think uh, my my speculation is I I don't really think that that is what the person intend to say. Uh, more so, what that person whoever says this uh, before was more making sure that the way we live match the way we talk. That when we talk about Christ, make sure our lives also match who we declared about crisis. So you and I may have come across people or your friends have come across uh, quote-unquote Christians that speak of Christ a lot and yet does not live very Christ-like life. Uh, but unfortunately, many people mix this quote up and almost use it as a excuse that, hey, I don't need to say anything to anyone about Christ because if I just live a godly Christ-like life, people would know. But that is not true. Because when we just live really Christ-like life, good life, sometimes people would just think that you are a good person. That they may not necessarily connect why you do what you do because you have Christ in your life. I mean, imagine the, uh, the stories that we've read and studied the last few weeks. Imagine uh, Matthew, the tax collector. 
Remember, we talked about him having this uh, dinner with, with Jesus. And then let's say that he never told his friends about Jesus and invited them to the party. Many of his tax collector friends would have never heard of Jesus. Right? Imagine the good Samaritan woman, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember, at the end of that story, she went back to her village and told everybody in her village about Jesus. Again, imagine she just changed by Jesus. She went back business as usual. She started being good. And people might be like, wow, she really changed. Maybe she finally came to her senses. And yet if she did not declare who Jesus is, and in that story, she particularly said, hey, guys, could this be the Messiah? Could Jesus really be the Messiah we all were looking for? And because of that, the whole village, many of the in the village came to know Christ. Some of us were reading from the book of Acts in Acts chapter 9. Imagine if Ananias did not obey God and go tell Paul at the time his name was Saul. That Jesus was there to heal him, to, to, to lift up his blindness. Imagine Ananias did not say that and go and, and minister to that way. Saul will continue to be Saul and never become Paul, which make up a good port who ended up writing a good portion of our New Testament. And movement was of believers came to know Christ because of his work. So words are so important. They change people's lives. And I would argue, hopefully not exaggerating, words actually change the world. It's no surprise that Jesus Christ himself, John chapter 1, God called him the word of God. See, words are so, so powerful. And I believe one of the reasons why maybe we use that quote to justify us not using word and telling people about Christ is simply because sometimes it's scary. Scary to talk to people about Jesus. It is scary to talk to people about religion, especially in today's world, right? You never know just how they would take it. They might pin you as some Jesus freak. They might think you're some narrow-minded person, uh, a backward person. You just don't know. Like, it's very scary to talk to people about Christianity, talk to people about Christ. Uh, shortly after I graduated from undergrads at UCLA, I spent uh, about two years as a, a campus staff with a Christian group called the Navigators. And to a portion of my day, just going around campus, talking to people, about Jesus and talk, having conversation, what they think. And these are random strangers. And you would think doing it, I would do it for several hours a day. And after a while, I would build up thick enough skin that it doesn't bother me, that I would, uh, it, it would not be a big deal going out. But, but you know what? Every single day, there is this voice in the back of my head. Hey, you don't have to do it today. You did it yesterday. You did it for two days in a row. You did it for four days in a row. Take a break. There is still fear inside of me every time I step out on the campus to talk to strangers, asking them what they think about Jesus, using words, share with them the gospel, share my story with them. And they may, I, I, I'm so fearful of how they think of me. Even when they say no, it feels like a personal attack to me. But here's the thing. Words are so, so important for us to tell people about Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, uh, 17 says this. The apostle Paul, the one who's saved by Christ, said this in verse chapter 10 in wrote, book of Romans, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, our faith is not just some random thoughts. The faith comes from someone. We get our faith when, when someone tells us 
We can hear it, listen to it, but we can't listen to something that's not spoken. Right, so hearing uh, faith comes from hearing, but hearing comes from the word of Christ. Maybe strict from Scripture, or just hearing testimony of stories about Christ in our lives. And so, as we wrap up this series called "Bless," we want to uh, emphasize this last part, the last letter S, that to bless the world, to bless those who are far away from God. Sharing our story is an integral part of what it means to bless people. I mean, just just think with me for a second. How silly it would be if a if a, um, a hunger relief organization said, "Feed the hungry if necessary, use food." Like, of course, food is important. You're gonna feed the hungry, right? Like, or a medical uh, mission says, "Care for the sick if necessary, use medicine." Like, it is implied, and you know how important it is. Medicine is, if you're going on a medical mission trip, you're trying to help people to heal their sickness. Medicine is a part of that. You can't get away from that. In the same way, if we are to bless people and bring them to Christ, sharing with them with our words are just as important and essential part of that. So today, we're going to look at the story that uh, Carrie had read for us earlier. We're going to look at the story of how Jesus told his story. Jesus shared his own story with a guy named Nicodemus. And so, again, if you have your Bible, please turn there to John chapter 3. I want to read it once again for us. I know it's a little long, uh, but I want to make sure that we get the story. Okay, John chapter 3, verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you have a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So let me pause here for a second. We see here from the very get-go, there's a a man named Nicodemus. It says that he's a Pharisee. And and just to give you a little background, Pharisee is someone who is anti-Jesus. Pharisees were known as these religious leaders that know the law of God. They tried their best to obey them, but they obey the letter of the law, but not necessarily the spirit of the law. And so they are really against Jesus because Jesus are calling them out and say, hey, you say you're religious, but you don't live uh, really in a way that honors God. And so Pharisees in general back in those days do not like Jesus. But then this guy named Nicodemus somehow took an interest of Jesus. And here verse 2, he says, says this man actually showed up to Jesus, but because he was so afraid of what other people thought of him, he showed up at night and said to him, Rabbi. In fact, he made this statement that is very profound. He almost admitted he's wrong himself or the Pharisees was wrong. He said, Jesus, hey, I know you're a teacher from God. I know you're the real deal because no one can do these amazing signs that you're doing unless that person is from God. And then going on the story, Jesus answered him, right? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus told him, hey, you know, I'm glad you know that I'm from God. But did you know that a person cannot be born again unless they're from God as well? They'd be born again, again, uh, born again. And so Nicodemus went on to answer Jesus. How can a man be born again? Like, can he enter verse four? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus told, answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born in the flesh is flesh, and that which is born in the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear a sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And at this point, Nicodemus probably as confused as you are. As you're listening to read these verses, you're like, what is Jesus talking about? Born in water, born in the Spirit. Wait, what does the Spirit have to do with anything? I need to be born again. Like, what, what is all this about? And Nicodemus in verse 9 says, how can it be? How can these things come about? Then Jesus proceeded to tell him in verse 10, Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Jesus kind of poke at him a little bit. Hey, hey, I thought you were the teacher of the law. Like, how do you not know these things that I'm talking about? Then Jesus told him what he's really talking about in verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Jesus is saying, hey, you, you heard us speak, but you don't trust, you don't believe in what we're talking. You're not receiving, in a way, our story of what we're talking about. Now that he went on, Jesus in verse uh, 12 and 13 and 14 talks about this, his own story, his own life. Verse 12, if I have told you early things you do not believe, how can you believe I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus told a very, very brief story about his own life in verse 12 to 15, uh, verse 13 to 15. And there are several things here I want us to notice as we talk about us sharing our story of what God has done in our lives. And there are three things I want you to notice. The first one is this. Sharing our story does not have to be long. Nothing wrong with sharing our, our story in complete detail. But as far as we can see here, three verses, Jesus shared his story. Imagine Jesus could have shared from John chapter, like any part of his story, and it will take a whole volumes of books of who Jesus Christ himself was. But in mere three sentences, Jesus shared the most crucial part of his story. Look at verse 13 again. Jesus told him something. He says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus, in his brief sharing of his story, shared just who he is. Verse 13, he was and continues to be the son of God. Jesus made it very clear that Nicodemus thought that Jesus was a good teacher. He may be a great miracle worker, but Jesus makes sure that he knew about who he is. He is not just a good teacher. He is not just a good miracle worker. He is the son of God. He told him, hey, a son, the son of God and Nicodemus would have known as a Pharisee, that this son of God can only come from God himself, from heaven. And so Jesus shared with him, hey, don't you know who I am? You know that no one can come from heaven to earth except the son of God himself. So Jesus made sure he knew that he is the son of God. But not only that he is the son of God, he also shared with him what Jesus was about, what he himself was going to do. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You may be wondering, okay, well, like what does Moses' serpent have to do with anything? You have to kind of go back to 
the, uh, the book of Exodus to remember there was a, an incident that happened that the people were sitting against God and then Moses needed to lift up his staff and the serpent and become a serpent. And, and many people died out of their idolatry. And so when Jesus was pointing this out, Nicodemus would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about regarding to Moses. But Jesus continued his story about his own life in saying that just like Moses did by raising the serpent, one day Jesus himself would be lifted up, not in power, but in death. Because shortly after that, we know that Jesus will eventually be what? Crucified, died on the cross. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent and, and, and bring death, Jesus himself will be lifted up through his death. People will be saved. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus about his own story, what he's going to do for people like Nicodemus, for people like you and I, that he will have to die. And then he ended his story with verse 15, that whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. Jesus did not just share with him who Jesus was, what Jesus was going to do. Jesus shared with him what Nicodemus could do in order to have eternal life. It is a very short story. In fact, you might argue like that is not even a full story. And yet we know this short, brief uh, snapshot of who Jesus was and will do changed the life of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was mentioned three times in, in all of, in all of the, the gospel. The first time was right here. He sneaked out in the middle of the night to meet Jesus, and Jesus gave him this teaching of how to come to know him, believe in him, and to have eternal life. And we find out that the second time, we know that this encounter with Jesus at night actually changed his life. Because Nicodemus later on in John chapter 7, he was the one, continued to be the Pharisee, reminded his kind of other Pharisees, that we, they, can, they, they need to give Jesus a chance before they accuse him. He was the one reminding them that the law said a person must be heard before being judged. Now, all his buddies, Pharisees, were accusing Jesus, want to take out Jesus. Nicodemus was the one saying, hey, let's slow down here. Remember the law said we need to give him a fair hearing? And all the other Pharisees were just wanting to take out Jesus, and yet we know that Nicodemus, at least we know his heart toward Jesus was changed, unlike all these other Pharisees' friends. But at the end of Jesus' life, we even after Jesus died, Nicodemus in John chapter 19, we see the true transformation of Nicodemus. Because after the crucifixion of Jesus, two people took care of the body of Jesus. One of them was Joseph of Arimathea, the other person was Nicodemus. You see, in this short story, short sharing of who Jesus was to Nicodemus, it completely changed the life of Nicodemus. Jesus shared with him who Jesus was, what he was going to do, and how Nicodemus could have eternal life. For every one of us sitting here listening to this, if you are a follower of Christ, you have this, a similar story to tell. And my encouragement for you is this. I always encourage people to, to have two versions of your salvation story. One, a three-minute one that you can share like an, within a ride of an elevator. That you can let, let people know how you're saved, how, people, how Jesus came into your life, how you're changed. 
and how people can come to know Christ all within three minutes. And also you need to have a long version because you never know, maybe someone was so interested in your story that they want to know more. This is also the reason why we encourage all of you who are getting, who got baptized to write out your testimony and share your testimony. Because you just never know someone like Nicodemus might show up in your life in the middle of the night wanting to find out more about who Jesus was. I think there are several ways that you can uh, write your story. I know those of you who have been baptized, one of the hardest parts for people who are getting baptized is to come up with their testimony. Because so much of it is part of your life that it takes some, some thought and it takes some time to go back and revisit and see how God had walked uh walk through you, uh, walk alongside with you and prepare your hearts to receive them. So I want to just give you three practical ways that you can work on your testimony if you haven't done so, or you can go back and revisit and, and take a look how you can um, uh, fill in some details in your story. I think one a simple way you can write out your story of testimony is simply this. If you're a new believers, just write down why you believed in Jesus. So again, don't let the, the brevity of your story or, or, or your testimony Make you feel like it's not important. It can be very important. If you're a new believer, a simple statement would go a long way. Just explain to someone, why did you choose to follow Jesus? You could have done many other things, follow many other religions. Why? How? What changed you to want to follow Jesus? That in itself can be a powerful thing that when you share with someone, someone just asks you, like Carrie said, hey, how your experience in church and your experience with Christ, you are ready to share with that person. And if you want a little bit more detail, maybe you can write about, you can write down your testimony, uh, what happened before you came to know Christ. How did you come to know Christ? And how did life change after you came to know Christ? Before, before you came to know, like, what was life like for you? And as you accepted Christ, how did you come to that point to know Christ? And now that you follow Christ, how has your life been changed? So you can do a simple statement. You can do before and after. And this last practice, last way I want to encourage you to, to frame your testimony, your story is uh, with Jesus and without Jesus. For many of you who grew up in church, this might be something that will be useful for you because uh, for you, maybe you've grown up in church all your life. So you never knew, remember a time that you don't, you're before Jesus. Jesus has always been part of your life or you're hearing about him, but there was a point in your life that, that you actually have Jesus with you, in you. And so perhaps your testimony, your story is, I've known Christ all my life, but I just lived without him for a good portion of it. What was that like? And what brought you to that point where you start living, having Jesus live in your life? And what changed after that? When you have Jesus in your life, how did that change you? And so those are just some practical ways for you and to be able to write down your story so that you're always ready to tell someone. Again, don't we want it, we don't don't mis, be mistaken that a short story won't change someone's life. We see here Nicodemus was changed for just one encounter. We hear who Jesus was. So I would encourage you prepare yourself. Give a short testimony, short story about how God changed, how Christ changed you, and prepare a long one as well, so that when people want to know more, they can share with them. So that's the first one we see here, that Jesus actually told a very short story about himself, and he changed someone. Here's the second thing, if you're taking notes, what we see in Jesus sharing his story. 
Jesus share his story with someone who is very interested. Jesus share with someone who is spiritually interested. You might be thinking, well, duh, yeah, of course. But this is really significant. Because we can tell from the story from the very get-go that Nicodemus was the one who went to seek out Jesus, isn't it? Nicodemus was the one who went in the middle of the night and showed up in Jesus' door and said, Jesus, like, he got to be really, really interested to do that. And one of the most surprising thing in here, as we read through the story, is simply that most that Nicodemus was the one who was asking the question. If you read through most of Jesus' encounter with people, what you see is that Jesus tend to be the one asking the questions. And it gets frustrating sometimes when we're reading. It's like, man, Jesus never gives an answer. He just keeps asking questions. But in this story, it is almost the exact opposite. Look at verse 4. Nicodemus show up in the middle of the night, talk to Jesus, told him that, hey, Jesus, you must be from God. And then Jesus kind of responded to that. And notice verse 4. Nicodemus was the one who asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Then Jesus proceeded to answer his question. And then by the time he's done answering, Nicodemus followed with a second question. In verse 9, how can these things be? You see, Jesus sends, notice, pay attention. Then Nicodemus was the one who's interested. That's why when he gave the, the story, Sherry's story, it sticks with Nicodemus. This is not to say that we should never share our testimony or what God is doing in our lives with those who are not interested. We should do that as well. But particularly, we need to keep an eye on the people around us that perhaps they are interested in Christ. They are the one who will actually take in the story and be receptive to our story. And he can actually take root into our story that we're sharing with them. Remember, you don't convert anyone. We have no power to convince anyone. God is at work in people's lives. And what we do is we do all the first four letters and we're looking for opportunities. If we're praying, beginning with prayer for people who are far from away from God, we're paying attention, listening to what they're going through. We're spending time eating together with them or doing other activities with them. And we're serving them out of their needs. That It will come to a point that we start noticing, man, there are some people who just are interested in knowing about Christ. And it is at that point that we need to say, hey, man, this person, Nicodemus, you're interested. I want to share with you this story. And they're the one even asking and seeking. I want you to think of this. I don't know if you've ever gone on deep sea fishing. Uh, I have the fun and the joy one time catching a 30 feet uh, sailfish down in Mexico. Have you ever done fishing like that, especially in deep sea fishing or fishing for a big fish like marlins and, and tuna and that type of fish? Um, it's very, very different than you fishing on the coast. Like if you go to the beach and you're trying to fish, you just take a pole out and you just kind of hang out there, just sitting there for hours on. Right. But if you go out in a boat in a deep sea, deep sea fishing and you're fishing a really big fish, what you would do is actually you are sticking out multiple poles and you're not actually not doing it by yourself. You as a boat together, but you are sticking on many poles out there with different baits and the boat might be moving, maybe stopping. And what happened is you are laying these opportunities out there 
And the moment you see one of the rods start going, start going, start tucking at it, that means that one fish is biting on the bait. And what you will see is that everyone would just run to that pole, run to that seat and start reeling it in. And what happened is you're not strong enough to reel it in because these fish are fighting back. And so you'd go for five minutes, then you tack another person in, that person reel for another t- five, 10 minutes until you catch the fish. And that's exactly what happened when I caught that 30 foot um, sailfish. And what happened is one of the pole the fish bit on that pole, that that bait. We laid out probably five to 10 poles out on the boat. None of them bite. But for this one, it did. We're going to go work on that. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus shared the gospel to everybody. But he also realized that not everyone's going to respond. But the ones that respond, even went in the middle of the night to seek him out. Jesus makes sure he hears his story. And that's what I want to encourage you. As you continue to be faithful, doing your B, your L, your E, and your S, start looking which pole, which fishing rod is is tucking. And when it happens, pray and ask God, give me an opportunity to share my story with that person. And so that's what Jesus did. He he shared his story with those who are spiritually interested. Here's the last one. Jesus looked for opportunities to turn regular conversation into spiritual conversation. Jesus leveraged what Nicodemus said to him, and he turned it around to make it a gospel conversation. Look at the story from the beginning. Nicodemus wasn't exactly asking how to be saved. He might get maybe in his heart, he was thinking, wanting to do that. But in verse two, he just simply make a statement about who Jesus was. He said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher from God, but no one can do these signs except uh, you unless you're, because God is with you. Nicodemus, all Nicodemus is saying is praising Jesus in some way and say, hey, Jesus, you must be from God. Now, Jesus have a couple options. He's going to say, good job, Nicodemus. Well said. That's me. And pat himself on the back and say, yeah, I am from God. But what, what Jesus didn't do is just kind of praise himself to his own horn. Jesus turned that conversation, turned that conversation to be a gospel conversation. Because immediately after that verse three, Jesus kind of turned it, turned this idea that Nicodemus had in his head and said, hey, it seems like he knows that something is from God. I'm from God. So Jesus turned it back around to him in a way. And in verse three says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus almost piqued his interest and say, you know, I'm from God. But do you know you can also be born again and be from God? In fact, you can't do that. If you, if you don't, you're not born again, you do not have the kingdom of God in you. You see, that is something so radical for Nicodemus because he thought he was already in the kingdom of God. He knew the scripture. He knew he'll obey the law to the best of his ability. But Jesus said, no, there is actually a way for you to truly be the kingdom of God. And it has to do with more about the spirit, about believing in me. See, Jesus took what Nicodemus told him and leveraged that, changed that into a conversation to be something that Nicodemus started out with. But he used that in a way to to get him to be more into uh, to share with him about the gospel. This is why Jesus at the end, uh, in verse 
uh, 9 to verse 18 gave him this long explanation how to believe. Where, for, where most of us know John 3.16, the verse that many of us are familiar with, even for many non-believers, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, Jesus did not waste any opportunity. Nicodemus was interested spiritually. He approached him and brought up a topic, and Jesus turned that topic into something that that actually personable to Nicodemus, to his own need of Jesus. This earlier this week, I had an opportunity to do a ride along with one of the sheriff deputies. And uh, in our ride, it was really interesting. We somehow got to talk about his family, and he shared with me how... um, he, him and his wife wanted to adopt or foster children. Um, and so it, and it just got just put on my heart and just uh, opened opportunity. So I ended up sharing with him my, our own experience as a family uh, in fostering. And, and so it makes a really good connection and sharing with him. And so he actually asked, like, why did you guys decide to do it? And that just gave him an opportunity to share with him why we did it and why, um, out of the love of Christ that we've experienced, we want to share the love of Christ to those who are in need. And so that, you know, I, that, that gave me an opportunity to leverage that opportunity to share the gospel, share a picture of the gospel. We didn't finish sharing the gospel, but a, a snapshot of what the gospel looked like. That is not because we're good people, but we're compelled by the love of Christ to do, uh, to meet the needs of others. And so I hope that eventually next time I ride with him, give me more opportunity. But that's exactly what God is calling each one of us to do, to turn those conversations. And we're going to spend some time talking about that in our next sermon series. Uh, We're going to start a new sermon series in two weeks called Three Circles. And we're going to talk about how we can turn regular conversation that we can have with others into spiritual gospel conversation. So look forward to that. Uh, But as we end this this, um, sermon today, I want to give you three practical ways to start Preparing yourself to share the story, your story and what Christ has done in your life. Here's the first one. Prepare by writing it out. Oftentimes, uh, people who, come, uh, who are getting ready to baptize, they thought they have their story straightened out. That is until I ask them to write it out, type it out, and send me a copy. Then they they start um, getting nervous. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't, I, I don't remember all the detail. And so writing it out, out would help you, one, uh, to be more exact about what happened in your own salvation, but two, actually help you to give thanks to God. You'd be surprised as you write it out more, you realize, man, God was so gracious. And all these little details to, to, to get you to a point where you surrender your life to Jesus. So the first thing I want to encourage you, you have not done so, write out your testimony, write out your salvation testimony, or even writing out every single day how you experience Christ, because those can be stories that you can tell as well. So the first one, prepare. Second one is this. Practice it. Practice sharing your story. Maybe your small group next week, all of you can share your testimony. Practice speaking it out loud. Practice writing it out loud. Practice uh, slipping in part of your story in your conversation with other people. Practice sharing your devotion as a way to see how God works in your life. You need a lot of practice. The more you practice, the more the, the easier it is for you to be able to converse and blend in your story into the, the conversation with others. Here's the last one. Not only do we prepare practice, we, I want to encourage you to pray. 
I want to encourage you to pray. We start off this series talking about prayer, and I want to wrap up here and talking about prayer as well. There are three things that I pray for every single day. Maybe you can, hopefully it may benefit you and add on to your B, letter B, in blessing others. Every single day, I pray three things. The first one, I pray for an open door. Colossians chapter 4, Paul said, ask the people in Colossae to pray that God will open to him a door for the word, the mystery of the gospel. So every day, I pray, God, would you open a door for me to share with others? Remember, we cannot pry open a door. God is the one who's at work already. We just join him along what he's doing. So we pray, let's pray for God to open the door. Here's the second one. We pray for an open door. I pray for open hearts. I pray for many Nicodemuses that their hearts are genuinely interested to discover Jesus. So pray for an open heart. Here's the last one. Pray for an open mouth. That's for you and me. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul prayed that he will open his mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of Christ. So I want to encourage you, pray for an open mouth that you will actually be bold in proclaiming. So we will not live under the false assumption of that quote that I started out the sermon is that preach um, Christ, if necessary, use word. The reality is we must use word. So let's pray for God to, for us to be bold. Pray for us to speak. Because you never know, there might be a Nicodemus that needed to hear your story. And as a result of that, he or she may come to know Christ. As we wrap up this series, I want to encourage you, make it a point every day to at least practice one of the letters, B-L-E-S-S. Look for ways to practice one of the, one of the letters. Because the more practices you have, the more you realize, man, this is all right in front of me. You can be a uh, uh, you can be a, a a change agent for others that will influence their eternity, and so let's practice that. Here's the second one: let's do it together. I want to encourage you as small groups, and for those of you joining us on YouTube, you're not part of small. I want to encourage you to be part of small group. We need to keep each other accountable to do this. It's too hard to do it on our own. So every week in your group gathering together, I want to encourage you ask each other. Hey, how have you blessed someone this week? Do you get a chance to bless someone? Okay, have you ever get a chance to practice one of these letters? I believe when we start doing that and we're making a point to obey Jesus that way, man, we will change the world. Starting right here in SGV and to the ends of the earth. And that's what it means for us to make disciples of all nations. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this time that we can learn from Jesus' example how he prayed, how he listened to those who are far away from, from him, how he ate with sinners. He was labeled and accurately to be friends of sinners and how he sacrificed and served those who are in need of him. And Lord, we learned today that Jesus, you, you share. You share who you are. You share what you are here for. And God, help us to share your message. Help us to share what you have done in our lives so that those who are far away from you will come and believe in you. So God, we thank you for this time in your word. Help us to be a blessing to the world. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
because of time, I'm going to go ahead and uh, call uh, um, load our song for response today. And uh, the song we're going to sing today is called Yes, I Will. And I hope that it will be a, uh, 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 I want to encourage you to take some time to respond to God. And we've gone through this series for all, this is our sixth week together. I want to encourage you together to respond to God. And I think the obvious answer, yes, I will. Uh, but if there's anything in your heart that keeps you from saying yes to God, throughout the song, one of the beauty of the gospel is we can, we can come honestly before God and ask him to remove those things that might keep you from being obedient to him. And for those who respond in yes, ask God to show you how you can truly be a blessing to others. So let's sing and respond to God together.